on the TV, on the radio, and even social media, everyone has become a debater. Hot heads, hot takes, and lots of hot air are now the norm. But only one can be the master debater. This is Master Debaters from News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. I'm Dennis Foley and welcome to Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. Joining us this week, you could read the witty commentary from our first debater in the Washington Post and WashingtonPost.com, Alexander Petri. Hey, Alex. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. You can hear our next debater on the Saturday morning hangover on ESPN San Antonio, James Pledger. Hey, James. What's going on, everyone? Hey, and our third debater is the super producer at Energy 941, DJ Miho Collett. How about that? How you doing? What's up? All right, we'll just call you Miho today. Yeah. <laughs> they, I, need, I need a title upgrade, super producer. You got to talk to the bosses about that one. So uh, they will all be presenting arguments in an effort to try to win over our judge, who this week is Alex from <laughs> Long Island, New York. Hey, Alex. Hey, Dennis, how are you? I am good. So his job is going to be to analyze and critique each response our contestants give to questions that I present throughout the show. And along with asking all these questions, I'm also the show's referee. If I hear something that I don't like or maybe merits a penalty, you will hear this whistle. So before we get started, let's give our contestants a chance to get to know the judge a little bit better with the question. So we're going to start with Alexandra. Do you have a question for a judge? Alex. Alex, fellow Alex, uh, are you a... Do you think our name is cool? Our name is the coolest. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we really hit it off there. <laughs> uh, a pleasure. Do you have a question for a judge, Alex? I mean, I feel like I'm already behind the eight ball here because they've already bonded over their name, and I feel like I'm at disadvantage all of a sudden. Uh, Alex, do you like sports? I love sports. See, you get to bond with them too. Miho, do you have a question for a judge, Alex? Yeah, are you afraid of birds? <laughs> okay, so only when they fly into my bedroom, which one did a couple months ago, and it freaked me the hell out. Uh, yes, <laughs> all right. Yeah, we're on the same page. Okay, <laughs> so let's get this show started. Opening arguments on Master Debaters. So it is time for opening arguments in this segment. I'll give... Each combatant a question. That combatant answers the question, and our judge, Alex, will give them a score between 0 and 10 points. They will have 30 seconds for their argument, and a buzzer will let them know when that time is up. So, eight people have been indicted in the alcohol-related death of a 20-year-old college student who was found unconscious after a fraternity party. Seven students and one non-student face charges, including third-degree felony manslaughter and felonious assault from a March 7th Pi Kappa Alpha fraternity hazing party where a student, 20-year-old Stone Foltz, was allegedly forced to overdose on alcohol, an overdose that killed Foltz. Earlier, Bowling Green State University president Rodney Rogers says, Bowling Green State University has decided to permanently expel the Pi Kappa Alpha fraternity. Greg Saber for CBS News, Cleveland. All right, we're start with Alexandra. Frats, are they a good thing or a bad thing? 30 seconds. Well, I think following off of that, it's hard to argue that I think anything where you keep losing people to hazing rituals, which are just so dumb and like 
that shouldn't be how anybody loses their life. It feels like that's a net negative. I feel like they could theoretically, like theoretically there's a world where frats are positive, but this keeps happening and this should not happen. So I'm sort of team, let's, like there are good aspects to it, but no, they're net negative. All right, Alex, what score do you want to give that? Zero to 10. I'd give it a seven. Okay. The worldwide chip shortage might be the best news yet if you have a used car to sell. It's classic supply and demand. A lack of semiconductors means that automotive assembly lines have slowed dramatically, crimping the pipeline of new vehicles and driving customers into the used car lot. So the average trade-in is worth just over $17,000. That's nearly 3000 higher than just one year ago. And if you have a pickup truck to trade, you can expect an even higher return. A 2018 Ford F-250 in decent shape should fetch around $49,000. Jim Ryan, ABC News. All right, so James, uh, increased used car values. Good news or bad news? 30 seconds. Good news. All of a sudden, I'm looking to get a new car. If my car is worth more, that means I can get my next favorite car and possibly upgrade and get a, new, a long warranty on another new car. So I say it's good news. Okay. Uh, Alex, what score do you give that? Zero to ten. Uh, I think you could have gone a little longer, uh, a little bit more extrapolation on that. Uh, I, I would say six. Okay. Next topic, a shot and a beer at a Houston-area brewery aims to get more people vaccinated. Hosting a drive through COVID vaccination site, St. Arnold Brewing Company in Houston. Founder Brock Wagner says he hopes other businesses follow suit. Not only for our own safety, for our team members' safety, it's good for business, it's good for society. This man says it was easy. I'm on their email list. They gave me a day, easy to pick out a time, and another reason to come down and visit the brewery. Another. I think it's a neat idea because it helps speed up. St. Arnold will hold a second drive-through next month for the second dose. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. All right, Mayho, does a free beer, in your opinion, change the interest level in a coronavirus shot or a coronavirus vaccine shot? Uh, 30 seconds. Well, I, I feel strange that you're asking me this. I feel like there's some innuendo, but yeah, I mean, if there was a free beer and a free shot, like, I'd get more shots. Like, sign me up for, like, three or four shots, man. Like, <laughs> pump that Pfizer into me. <laughs> I mean, if I was a business owner, I would do the exact same thing. Like, let's make everyone safe, and let's have a good time. You know, let's let's get your shot, and let's have a party. That's what we're, that's what we're trying to do. Now, would it be better for shots for shots, or are you fine with beer? Both. Okay. Yeah, they should do it with Corona. <laughs> That's the other option, too. Uh, Alex, what score do you give that argument? Zero to ten. Uh, I'm going to give that uh, I'll give that eight. Okay. Well, coming up. It's a lot more to talk about, a lot more to debate. We'll hear it next right here on Master Debaters. From 550 KTSA and FM 1071. 
This is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. It is, and things are going to start heating up a little bit, kind of like my studio here. Uh, we have Alexander Petri, James Pledger, and Miho this week competing to convince our judge, Alex, from Long Island, New York, that their argument is the best <laughs> argument. And if you'd like to be a judge on a future edition of Master Debaters, head over to our website, ktsa.com slash masterdebaters, and sign up. So let's keep this debate going. For argument's sake, on Master Debaters. So in this part of the show, I'm going to give all three contestants the same question, and they will each take a turn presenting their argument on that topic. After they all take their 30 seconds to respond, our judge will then give them each anywhere from 10, 0 to 10 points for their responses. Our first topic after President Joe Biden's first address to a joint session of Congress, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott gave a response. Scott, the only black Republican senator in Congress, said that he believes the U.S. is not a racist country and that Democrats are playing politics with race. Republican Senator Tim Scott criticizing Biden and Democrats over race relations. Race is not a political weapon to settle every issue. Vice President Harris today saying that America is not a racist country still. I applaud the president for always having the ability and the courage, frankly, to speak the truth about it. He spoke what we know from the intelligence community. One of the greatest threats to our national security is domestic terrorism manifested by white supremacists. Alex Prechet, ABC News, Washington. All right, so do you think the United States is a racist country? 30 seconds, we'll start with Alexandra. It's difficult to look at the United States and see anything but like a country that has like a deeply racist history, unfortunately. Like we I, I think we've certainly improved as a country from where things got started, but there's a lot of entrenched systemic racism that's still with us today, from everything from redlining just across the board to like how safe you are when you get pulled over by a cop. I think there's a lot of stuff that's still very seriously with us and uh you know, it's not like individual people are going around all 100% being racist, but like we, there's a racist system that we live under. All right. Uh, James Pledger, 30 seconds. I find it hard to believe a melting pot such as the United States is an inherently racist country. Uh, we black Republican senator. We had a black president a few years ago. Are there racist people? Sure. But broad stroking the entire country is racist is it, it's wrong. It's the same thing as saying all cops are bad or all any general stereotype you could throw on any population of people. That's kind of what we need to get away from. And I think that's what he's trying to say when he was talking about we got, we need to stop using race to debate these things. Miho, 30 seconds. Damn, dude, Ralph Gay is a heavy topic. Um, yeah, I, I agree that I think America has a, a dark past, and I think that we haven't gotten past a lot of the things. Um, like Alexandra said, that there's redlining, um, and just even the current thing of like uh, changing voting laws, like it, it just seems like it is. Uh, America is a racist country, but I agree with pleasure where like there's a lot of countries out there that are racist as well. So, okay. And before we go into our next topic of religion and all the other, uh, you know, topics we all want to talk about, uh, Alex, what scores you want to give everyone zero to 10? This is, this is a tough one. Uh, I am going to give, uh, Alexandra, uh, an eight James, uh, and Miho, uh, five. 
Okay. Our next hard-hitting topic, Microsoft is changing its image a bit and is looking for some user feedback. Microsoft is changing its default font for the first time in 15 years. In 2007, Calibri replaced Time's New Roman. Now Microsoft is letting users weigh in on the next one with five new fonts to choose from. The company says it will be evaluating the feedback it gets over the next few months. That's CBS's Diane King-Hall. We'll start with James Pledger. Do you have a favorite font and what is it? 30 seconds. Oh, that's easy. It's Comic Sans. I'm a little <laughs> bit of a goofy type of dude anyway, and I enjoy things to look very fun on my computer screen as I look at it. I don't need the boring Times New Roman or any other kind of italica font. I like things to be fun. Comic Sans is fun, so let's spice things up. That's why initially all I do is go into my settings and change the font immediately when I go into Windows. Miho, what's your favorite font? Um, my favorite font is actually Arial. Um, I don't know, it just looks clean. Um, yeah, but I honestly I don't care to at the end of the day as long as they don't bring back Clippy because that was like <laughs> the worst thing ever. Like it was super annoying. So, um, but Arial is my favorite font, but no Clippy. Don't bring that back, please, Microsoft. <laughs> and Alexandra, what's your favorite font? 30 seconds. Oh my God, this is wild. I think, I mean, Comic Sans, you're a wild man. And Ariel, definitely the best font that shares a name with like a Disney princess. I'm sort of, I just use the default settings. I'm honestly like, I'm in Cambria right now. I will just do whatever it tells me, unless it's Clippy. I, I totally agree on the Clippy. But you know, a good font, as long as we're going crazy, is Papyrus. Papyrus is out of this world. And Wingdings, like if we really just want to make ourselves completely incomprehensible, like... Just, you don't even know if those are words. Just type it. Maybe it'll be like a picture of a bat. Like, chaos. Let's embrace it. So, Alex, uh, which font was your favorite font? How many points are you giving out to everyone? This is tough. Uh, I, I just use the, the default fonts, but uh, um, I, this is one of the toughest issues of our time. Uh, <laughs> I think... Uh, I... I for bringing up Wingdings, Alexandra gets a 10. Uh, Miho gets a, I'd say, six. And James, a seven. Okay. A Texas man is dead after he was attacked by a swarm of bees on his property. Thomas Hicks was mowing his lawn in Breckenridge, Texas, about 100 miles west of Fort Worth, when the bees attacked. Fire Chief Calvin Cheney says the 70-year-old was covered from the waist up when he got to his wife. He got attacked outside. Yeah. He ran in the house, you know, letting his wife know, hey, that's what's going on. And the bees followed him in. Hicks's wife was stung as well, but she's fine now. Her husband later died of cardiac arrest. A local beekeeper was called in and found 60,000 honeybees in several hives in a tree. Jim Ryan, ABC News, Dallas. Start with me, ho. Uh, what do you think of bees? 30 seconds. Do you like them? Do you dislike them? Um, I love bees for what they do for the planet, and we need to save the bees. But personally, I'm terrified of bees. Um, I've been stung quite a few times in my life, and I wish I could curse. I know I got in trouble last time, 
but I don't like bees at all. But in my personal space, but bees are awesome. I love honey. I love lavender. But keep stay away from it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Alexandra, are bees the bees' knees? 30 seconds. I feel like, what do you call somebody who's a fan of bees? Do they belong to the beehive? Like, anyway, I'll workshop it. No, I, I do like, I like honey. I'm a big consumer of what bees are putting out there. I appreciate them for all the pollination they do. I don't do any pollination, so I'm glad that they're out there, you know, putting in the effort where I can't, um, you know, leave it up to the birds. I don't trust the birds as much as I trust the bees. So I'm, I'm glad that the bees are doing that. I think they're, they're filling a useful niche. I like their little hexagonal structures. I like their Old Testament justice on one end and their mercy on the other end. That's why they're a symbol in Christianity. <laughs> bees are exciting. James, uh, bees, good buzz, bad buzz, 30 seconds. Beehive, oh, behave. Look, you guys are terrified of birds. This story, absolutely terrifies me are you kidding me stung by like sixty thousand bees covered from the waist up goes into cardiac arrest that is a just a terrifying situation to think you have found yourself in i can live with some birds flying around i don't know if i can live with being covered head to toe by bees and being stunned i appreciate what they do for the for the planet and everything but doesn't mean i have to like them all right, Alex, do you have any stinging assessments on uh, the, uh, their, uh, the, their arguments there, ooh. 0 to 10? Ooh, Dennis, the pun. Thank you. Uh, well, I'm, not, I'm not the pun pun champion here. I'm just, I'm just second fiddle on that. But. Uh, this, this is a, Still punny. This, this, this is a tough story because we're talking about, yes, bees are great for the planet, but it killed a guy. So mm. they're murderers. You know, um, I have to say... I, I I'll give um I'll give Alexandra um a nine. I will give James a seven and Miha an eight. Okay, well, more of us are feeling alone than ever before. Since the beginning of the pandemic, a whopping 67% of Americans say they feel more alone than ever before. The poll, by one poll and many friends, aimed to see how COVID-19 has affected people during isolation and quarantines. The poll of more than 2,000 people found more than half feel like they've completely lost their sense of community. And 62% say they have absolutely no one to talk to about their loneliness. 46% admit they cried for the first time in years at some point during the pandemic. Matt Piper, CBS News. Start with Alexandra. Do you think COVID is the cause of more loneliness or is it something else? 30 seconds. I mean, I, I, I hesitate when like a big elephant is in the room. It's like, what's causing this elephant in the room situation? Probably the elephant. Uh, I, I think COVID does have a lot to do with it because the big casualty of COVID in addition to the, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives lost has been like the places where we used to go to connect with each other. So I think all the people who like, like they had this whole article about like guys only see each other to talk about sports in a bar and now they like don't have friendships anymore because the thing they used to do in order to get to be with their friends, they can't do anymore. So I feel like, yeah, it is a casualty of that. Uh, James, 30 seconds. 
I mean, sure, it could be a casualty, but I also think that, like, I've grown through COVID. I'm a super social person. I love going out and doing things, and that was kind of taken away me, away from me this year, past year. But I found new ways to reach out and keep in touch with friends and family members and to stay engaged with people. So I don't think it's the cause of loneliness. I just think it's people using it as an excuse for why they may be lonely nowadays. And I'm sticking with it. <laughs> Miho, 30 seconds. Um, yeah, I, I think it was a cause of loneliness. Uh, just because, I mean, I moved here right kind of when it started, like a couple months before. And um, I didn't have a chance to, like, set up my community and, like, meet a lot of people. And the people at work who I was interacting with, I got sheltered away from them. And it was just rough. And maybe for people who've had it established and even if they weren't established in their community like it's hard to take away all of that so i think the, the, the pandemic did take away and it caused loneliness all right alex uh what scores are you giving out zero to ten uh i think uh you know i'm gonna do something i don't usually do i'm gonna give nines across the board next topic well, U.S. health regulators are trying to ban menthol cigarettes. More than a third of all cigarettes sold in the U.S. are menthol, and tobacco companies were quick to respond. Reynolds American, maker of Newport cigarettes, saying published science does not support regulating menthol cigarettes differently from non-menthol. But health advocates say the ban is long overdue. If we are going to truly advance African-American access to full and healthy lives, we have to take actions like these that specifically deliver that opportunity. The FDA plans to introduce the new regulations in the coming year and ask for public comment. But facing legal challenges, the ban could still be years away. Nancy Chen, CBS News, New York. All right, James, pledge we're going to start with you. Good move or bad move? 30 seconds. I mean, much like alcohol, cigarettes, and things that are legal to be purchased in the United States, it's at the discretion of the consumer on whether they want to take the chance to put their life at risk by indulging in such... Uh, things that that make them feel good or cause an addiction of some sort but i don't know if taking that away from them is going to cure the problem they're just going to switch to a different cigarette or a different uh addiction of sorts miho 30 seconds uh yeah i agree with pleasure like people are going to find a way and you can't can't change anything like people were like let's let's establish rules on vaping and everyone's like nope the internet was like, we're going to do it. Like, <laughs> let us vape. Or even with like marijuana, like people will find a way. Like there's no point in trying to like regulate it even more. And it is up to the person, the discretion of the person purchasing. So yeah, I'm on board with pleasure. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we found a new catchphrase. Alexandra, what do you think? 30 seconds. I, mean, I have to say, as not a scientist or a public policy expert, I'm glad that people are asking me for my opinion about this. Although I guess that's a the theme of the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, given all my expertise, I feel like if you aren't physically allowed to buy something, like fewer people do buy it. I do think that is true. But I agree also that people will go and buy stuff. So, yeah, no, I, I think Pledger's making some valid points. Uh, and, I, yeah, I, I think it, it's, you know, a constant trade-off. How much... Do you get to tell people not to do? 
All right, Alex, what scores are you giving to these pretty similar arguments, zero to ten? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the arguments are pretty similar. There's really not a lot of uh, daylight between them. So I'm going And to... we're sticking with it. <laughs> yeah, sticking with it. I'll, I'll give eights across the board. See, he doesn't do it often, but he does it back to back. So, yeah, you guys might be onto something there. <laughs> yeah, nines across the board, not often, but eights across the board. That's a... All day, every day. And he's sticking with it. The CDC says cruise lines remain on course to set sail again in July. The CDC says it remains committed to allowing cruise operators to resume sailing out of U.S. ports by midsummer. The CDC says it's meeting twice a week with cruise industry representatives, and it's concluded that test cruises will no longer be required if 98% of a ship's crew is vaccinated, along with 95% of its passengers. The CDC also says fully vaccinated passengers will only need to take a rapid coronavirus test when boarding. Brian Clark, ABC News. So we're going to start with Miho. Uh, are you interested in going on a cruise in the near future, or are you, are you staying away from them? 30 seconds. Um, I've never been on a cruise, so I don't even know, like, what, if I am or am not interested in them, um, at all. Like, I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't like the idea of being stuck on a boat. I guess that's what's going through my head. I know it's not part of the question, but, <laughs> um, I don't, I don't, I have no comment. I have no, I don't know if I'm interested or not on a cruise. <laughs> Alexandra, are you of interest to go on a cruise in the near future, or are you staying away from them? 30 seconds. I'm sure, I'd go on a cruise. I don't know. I feel like now it's sort of, it's it's one of those things where you, you see, like, probably the worst thing that can happen on cruise ships has just happened. So, uh, you know, now is the time. But that's, maybe maybe that's not good science. Anyway, as a scientific expert on cruise going and not going, I have been on a single cruise. I had a great time. It was like being trapped in a mall, which if you, that doesn't sound like your idea of a good time. Like, don't go on a cruise because you're, you're just like in a mall, but there's a pool. But also the mall is moving. Anyway, I liked it. Pleasure, 30 seconds. Look, I'm about it. I've never been on a cruise. I've always kind of wanted to go on one. But right now, no, I'm good. You can miss me with that. With what I saw happened over in that canal with the boat getting stuck and the possibility of what happened at the beginning of the pandemic when, let's say, there's a mutation of the virus all of a sudden and now they're stuck out at sea again and can't come back to port because it's sweeping through the entire ship again. Nah, I'll wait a little bit. I'm excited to go try it at some point. But now is not the time for me to be trying it. All right, Alex, uh, what scores are you giving everyone? Zero to ten. Uh, this is this is interesting because I actually went on my first cruise right before the pandemic, so this is a uh, an interesting uh, thing. Whether I want to do it again, uh, I would say Niho like three because he didn't really have an argument. Uh, <laughs> James, uh, I'll give him a seven. And Alexandra, for describing it as a floating mall, uh, I'm going to, it's just very accurate, really, with the casino inside it. Uh, so I'm going to give her a nine. All right. Well, all of our debaters have some arguments they wish to present. We'll hear what they are, what everyone else thinks about it, coming up next on Master Debaters from KTSA. This is Master Debaters. 
from 550 KTSA and FM 1071. I'm Dennis Foley. Joining us this week, we have Alexander Petri, James Pledger, and Miho, who are all working to coerce or judge Alex to give them more points than their fellow competitors. Let's keep this debate going. State your case on Master Debaters. Yes, so our competitors before the show came in with a topic they wanted to talk about, a case they wanted to present to our judge. They would get 60 seconds to do so. During those 60 seconds, if the other combatants wish to challenge, they will get 30 seconds each after the case is done being presented. After those challenges, the original pre- presenter will get their own 30 seconds to address the challengers. If they change their topic, I will assess an automatic five-point penalty. There are also more points at stake. Our judge can now give up the 20 points at the end of each topic or can take away up the 20 points from everyone, whether they present the topic, challenge, or chose to stay quiet. So our points leader right now, anyone want to guess who the point leader is at this current moment? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm going to go with Alex the fl- and the floating mall. Okay, Miho, do you have a guess? Alex. Alex, do you have a guess? Uh, I'm going to guess me. Yeah, but you, I could be wrong. you are the points leader. Uh, so uh, you get to start with your 60-second argument. All right, here's the deal, which is we had the Oscars last weekend, and they didn't have any montages except for like a single brief set of clips from all the best picture movies. And I feel like it made the best case possible for like the moving image because like nothing says, oh wow, cinema, a great medium for telling stories, like having an Oscars that's just people describing, like telling anecdotes verbally. Like they had the best costume category and they just had a title card with the name of the movie. They didn't have like a still picture of the costumes. And so it was, really incredible because i was like wow i really i crave motion pictures like i've never craved them before so i i like the oscars because usually i haven't seen most of the movies and i just watched like the the three second clip and i'm like oh that was good acting in that clip i'm rooting for that person they should probably be the best supporting actress and they denied me that this year so it was just a lot of people telling beautiful anecdotes about how they got in the film business and that needs to not happen again all right miho 30 second challenge um, similar to, I guess, like, um, audiobooks or, like, podcasting, I think they were probably, uh, trying to, like, just, just describe it and then maybe gain curiosity that way. Um, I did watch portions of it and, like, some of them I knew and some of them I didn't, but then once I heard their anecdotes, I was like, all right, like, I'll check this out or, like, best costume design, like, let me go check this movie out. You know, like, I think it just generated more interest in certain movies. Alex, a 30-second rebuttal. I would say that's, like, the worst way of generating interest in a movie, though. Because, like, the power of movies is like, wow, I can tell a story using pictures and sounds (laughs) instead of just, like, a thousand-word summary of what you're seeing. Like, what makes you more excited to see a movie? A trailer or, like, Laura Dern standing there and reading you two paragraphs about what's in the movie? I love Laura Dern, but I gotta say the trailer when they go, dun-dun, and they didn't do any of that. They gotta remember that they're the motion picture people. Like... Yeah, this is not a book club. This is not. <laughs> so, uh, Alex, uh, what scores you want to give all three of our debaters from negative 20 to 20 for those arguments or lack of argument? Okay, so who jumped in? It was James who jumped in. That was right? Miho. No. Well, Miho jumped in. I'm sorry. Yes. And James did not jump in. Correct. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give Alex uh, 15 points. 
and I'm gonna give Miho. Uh, I'm gonna give him five points. Okay, and for James Pledger, how many points giving take away? Uh, no, 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 he's just zero. No, not taking anything away, not adding anything. Okay. So it's hard to debate what Alex said. It's the Motion Picture Association. This is what they do. How could they have been so blind to this? So, uh, James, it's your turn for your 60 second argument, which starts now. Well, I think that the this week there is this topic that came out after the NCAA extended President Mark Emmert in which they were seriously considering expanding the college football playoff to 12 teams all of a sudden. And this is a blatant money grab, and 12 just seems like too much at one point in time. I think six would be the perfect number. Eight, I can even kind of get behind, but six is the perfect number because the two best teams, you allow them to have a buy, which gives them something to play for other than the championship for rewarding them for a season they had. And then you can add those final two teams in where there's always a debate at the end of the season. another 10 seconds or so oh yeah sorry i heard the bell going off i was like oh uh, you know i need to i'm being challenged or somebody's jumping in and i thought i had to stop my bet nope uh <laughs> but alex you get 30 seconds to challenge starts now uh i so i don't know anything about any of this but at one point during your response you said eight is a good number and 12 is the best number or maybe you didn't say that that's what i wrote down anyway i think <laughs> i'm just gonna go through the numbers and say whether they're good or bad three is a great number Three is just a classic number. Four is fine. Four, like you can play a board game. Most board games don't go more than four. It's really difficult. You have five or six people and you want to play a board game as a group. Uh, so five and six are fine. Five is nice because it's half of 10 and you can like really multiples it. It feels good that way. Six is an okay number, but it's like more evil. Uh, Miho, 30 second <laughs> challenge. <laughs> um, it's not so much a challenge. I agree with uh, Pledger on some of the things. Um, that it, it is a money grab, and for an institution to try to create more revenue without actually paying athletes, I think that's my biggest issue. I know it's not really part of the topic, but I, I feel like the money grab seems like so insincere when they're putting college players' lives at risk without any benefits um, at all, and it's super frustrating um, just to hear Mr. Pledger, 30-second rebuttal. I love the the numbers and what you all thought. I said six and eight, and eight were good numbers. Twelve is what they are pushing for, Alex, to kind of set you out straight there. Miho, yeah, you're right. It's a money grab. And I do believe that, you know, them paying players and the ability to make uh, money off your likeness now for college athletes is going to play a big part in this. But at the same time, I just think that it's too many teams at that point and you're watering it down. And I just think six is the perfect number to kind of end the debate every year. You've only got about six teams that you truly consider championship contenders. All right, Alex, uh, what is your favorite number that you want to give all of our debaters, negative 20 to 20 for those arguments? Well, well, this is interesting. Um, when I hear the words NCAA and money grab, I immediately say, yeah, that checks out. Um, I'm going to give James 16 points 
I'll give Alexandra an extra three points because she said three is a good number. Um, <laughs> and you should have said 20. Miho, I'll give eight points. Okay. Uh, Miho, your turn with your 60-second argument. Um, so my topic is that Jonah Hill is a top five um top five artist of the millennial generation. I just think he's amazing and he's uh he's just often overlooked for what he's done in his career and doesn't get enough credit. I mean, just going off some of his uh films, he's done Grandma's Boy, he's done Accepted, he's done Knocked Up Super Bad, he's done some of the greatest kids movies, How to Train a Dragon. And, and as a director, his film date, our directorial debut was an amazing movie. It was like an hour 20, which was a perfect short film um, compared to today's standards. And like, I just, I, I can't think, I mean, he is in the top five in my opinion. Um, and he just deserves more credit. And I obviously you heard the bell. So people are going to hate me on this. So I'm ready for all of it. Bring the smoke. All right, James, you're the first to go. 30 seconds. He's not even a top five actor of millennials right now, much less artists. With artists, you can expand that out to painters and musical artists like Justin Timberlake, Beyonce, Jay-Z, Drake, Taylor Swift. With the uh, other actors that he's not even in the top five of or entertainers like that sense, you're talking about Ryan Gosling, Jake Gyllenhaal, Eddie Redmayne, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Andrew Garfield, Rami Malek, Robert Pattinson. I mean, their list just goes on and on of millennials that are currently better than him at just being an entertainer. Alexandra, 30-second challenge. Yeah, I would argue that Jonah Hill is actually rated correctly. I feel like we appreciate him exactly the right amount. I think, you know, I, he's in movies and he does his Jonah Hill thing. As somebody who saw him in Wolf of Wall Street and he had like those funky teeth and that was very exciting. I... I, you know, I, I'm realizing from doing this that I don't actually, I'm not as immersed in the oeuvre of Jonah Hill as I should be, whereas other millennial artists, I can like name their films more readily. But uh, yeah, I think he's appropriately rated. And uh, Miho, your 30 second rebuttal. First of all, y'all suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, he, I don't know, like, he, he has, I feel like, more range um, as, like, some of the actors you listed off, like, yeah, Eddie Raymond, Eddie Raymond is, uh, whatever his name is, is a great Red actor, Man. but he's, like, almost typecast, whereas Jonah Hill can do the Moneyball and the Wolf of Wall Street and the Superbads, like, he's not getting enough credit, and he just needs to be appreciated. I'm a Jonah Hill stan, so. <laughs> Okay, uh, Alex, what scores you want to give negative 20 to 20? Uh, one question. Didn't Jonah Hill get nominated for an Oscar for Wolf of Wall Street? Probably. I don't know you if you that. Yeah. I don't believe so. I, I believe it was Leonardo DiCaprio, but he lost. No, he, he got so he best supporting actor. I thought he maybe got one for Moneyball. I, I don't know. I'm not a... But I'm really happy he has you, Miho. Yes. So, uh, best, <laughs> the correct answer, best supporting actor nominee for Moneyball and Wolf of Wall Street, but he did not win those awards. So, so. two-time nominated actor. That's just an interesting thing to, to talk about. Miho, you're, you were passionate. You knew what you were talking about. 
you 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 really want made the argument. I can't say I agree with it, but I will give you uh, 18 points for the argument. Um, I will give both James and Alexandra. Uh, I will give them 10 points for the rebuttal. All right. Well, coming up, who's going to win? That's really the biggest question we have right now. It all comes down to one final fight. This is Master Debaters from KTSA. From 550 KTSA and FM 1071, this is Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins. Yes, and that argument, it ends right here, right now. It's a battle this week between Alexander Petri, James Ledger, and Miho, all trying to win over our judge, Alex and convince them, or convince him, that their argument is the best argument. Right now, it comes down to one final argument. Closing arguments on Master Debaters. So this is where it all gets figured out, a four-minute melee. I give our debaters a topic. They discuss it for four minutes. And once they hash it all out, our judge will give them between 100 and negative 100 points. The person with the fewest points will get a 15-second head start. Anyone else? Everyone else can join in after the bell has rung. Who has the fewest points right now? The guesses? You guys want to guess who has the fewest points right now? Me. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mio just because he got a three at one point. So uh, right now, the contestant with the fewest points is James Pleasure, actually. Yes. So the, the latest industry. I'm something. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, the latest industry to feel a skills, the feel a skills gap in the post-pandemic whackable economy, trucking. A warning from the tanker truck industry saying some stations may run out of gas this summer, and not because of a gas shortage. Instead, a trucker shortage. According to trucking trade group National Tank Truck Carriers, up to a quarter of all tank trucks in the country that carry gas are parked because they don't have the drivers. So far, it's only affected some stations in Las Vegas and Northwest Arkansas. But come this summer, experts say we may see shortages in vacation hotspots. That's ABC's Gio Benitez. So starting with James with his 15 second head start. And you're going to discuss this for four minutes. Which industries do you think will be the most negatively impacted post-pandemic? Four minutes starts now. Oh, most negatively impacted. I don't know. I really think concerts to start are going to have a tough time getting back because I'm still kind of weirded out when I'm around a crowd of large people. So like a festival or going to a 80,000 seat stadium to sit next to a whole bunch of people that I'm not sure if they're vaccinated or not and how to approach what's going on and people just wearing their masks all willy nilly while they're sitting next to me. I don't know if I'm about that. So I think concerts or large gatherings, especially sporting events, could see at least a, a hurt, at least at the beginning of restarting everything, because it's going to be very tough to get people out of the mindset that they've been in for over a year, which is large crowds, be scared, run away. That's just a tough thing to mentally pull yourself back out of. Well, I think I think actually it's going to be the the thing I think we're most going to not have any more of is 
the office as a concept. I think that's what's got to go. Because, like, everyone's like, oh, you got to come back into work. They're, like, starting to trickle everyone back in. But it's like we physically demonstrated for the past 14 months that we didn't need to be sitting in this horrible open plan place with, like, the fluorescent lighting. And you can hear, like, Dan, like, you know, turning the water machine on. Water machine, that's not a thing. But, you know, it's not an environment that, like, is conducive to people's happiness. And I feel like if... If offices come back big after the pandemic, that'll be a sign that, like, you know, society is really seriously broken. Uh, I, well, I think they will, but I, I, I think they shouldn't. I think uh, the industries most impacted, um, I think, are going to be frozen foods because people are going to be eating out <laughs> instead of eating in. And I think, like, home toilet paper because now you can use the toilet paper <laughs> at work. So, yeah. I feel like they're just gonna their their sales are gonna go down because I'm not trying to buy frozen pizza no more. Like I'm, I want to go get real pizza. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Or the Here's people the who thing, make those little hut things, like the little outdoor like glass hut things, where they're like the restaurant. No, you can eat outside. We put a little glass hut here. Whoever makes those, I think they're gonna have a big downturn after the pandemic because people aren't gonna like. I'm just gonna sit outside. I'm not gonna sit in a little glass <laughs> hut with a heater in it. The outdoor heater people, they're gonna have a real downturn. Uh, no, see, Mio, this is where you're missing it, is nobody ever misses the office bathroom toilet paper, because that is the worst toilet paper you can get. Everybody, we saw at the beginning of the pandemic how important toilet paper was. We already had a shortage of it. I think home toilet paper is going to be fine. Office toilet paper will be fine, too, because nobody wants to use it in the first place. <laughs> you miss me with that one-ply stuff. Yeah. Hey man, one ply saves the day. Let me tell you. <laughs> Only like, in case of emergency. Time, like it's a bad rap because like you get a control over the amount you use. You just have to like really use a whole lot of it, like a whole roll of it. But you can, I don't know. Yeah, that is an argument for another time for a reason because it's an incorrect argument. But yeah, office I would rather have fun. softer toilet paper. I don't care if I'm wasting plies. I prefer to save my bottom. <laughs> I, I also think that um, with, as we were talking about with the office space, um, I feel like movie theaters, like with streaming, I know people miss the theater, but we've seen we could do without it as well, um, similar to offices. And I don't see like movie theaters like coming back real strong, especially with like Marvel and Disney's rollouts of their shows. And like, yeah, if I could get a frozen pizza for five bucks, you know, or whatever, Pop tarts and, and oh, I hope you're wrong because I, I I love I seeing movies in theaters and I hate watching no, movies. I love movies. I love. And movie here's theater. the thing: if you if you're talked about Marvel, like yeah, watching things like the Disney Plus shows on TV is great. But if I would have missed the epic moments like in Avengers Endgame where Cap lifts Mjolnir, or at the end of Infinity War when half of the Marvel universe got dusted. And just the enthusiasm and also the pain within the uh, movie theater with all those people I was sharing it with. I don't want to lose that. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I don't either. So, Alex, what do you think about that whole four-minute argument? What scores do you want to give everyone? <laughs> Negative 100 to positive 100. Uh, it, it went everywhere. There was, there was a lot of everything going on there. A <laughs> little bit of toilet paper, a little bit of office. Outdoor yeah. heaters. I'm gonna give. Uh... The other thing too, there wasn't really much combat. There was a lot of. Uh... Yeah, it's across the board. Yeah. I'll do. 
80 points for James. I'll do 80, 85 points for Alex. I'll do 85 points for Miho. Oh. And that's that. So you like one play paper? <laughs> what? So you like one play toilet paper? <laughs> no. But that's what I grew up on. <laughs> Nostalgia, I get it. So, after a series of arguments that I guess you would call a debate, that's kind of what debates are, just a series of arguments, <laughs> we must now name this week's master debater. In third place, with 156 points, James Pledger. In second place, with 163 points, Miho, which means this week's master debater, with 168 points, is Alexandra Petri. Congratulations! You get hey, 60 seconds yeah. to celebrate. Starts now. Oh, I'd, I'd like to thank One Ply Toilet Paper. I'd like to thank cruise ships. I'd like to thank malls. I'd like to thank all of the things that made it possible for me to be here today at my shouting into my laptop uh, as we continue our weeks on isolation. I was worried because I got my shot today that I would maybe be completely incoherent, but if I was, it was a good strategy. And I'd like to thank Numbers. Numbers, I couldn't have done this without Numbers um, and, and the Academy, of course. And uh, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya's parents, I want to also thank them. They did a good job. Uh, and yeah, uh, love to debate. Gotta thank Zach Wilson. <laughs> Oh, yeah, can't forget Zach Wilson. Yeah, how, how many people have gotten drafted? Have they gotten the good picks in yet? <laughs> are, are the New York Jets, have they recruited a new member? How are the Sharks doing? Well, that's it. I mean, man, what a mix. I mean, the NFL draft, numbers. Man, toilet paper. We covered Big it day. all. Numbers, numbers did play a key role in her win because yeah. she had the most of them. <laughs> That's Don't right. Forget about the killer bees. <laughs> well, a oh, big, yeah, the killer bees. A big I do feel bad about the man. Bees are so great, but that man, yeah. Are we sure good. we didn't typecast them and they're really murder hornets? Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, thanks because to we've been our three debaters this week. Washington Post columnist Alexander Petri, James Pledger, you can hear on the Saturday morning hangover on ESPN San Antonio, and uh, Energy 941 super producer, DJ Miho Khaled. And a big thanks to our judge this week, Alex from Long Island, New York. National Debaters is a production of XS Studios and KTSA San Antonio. You can learn more about Master Debaters online at ktsa.com slash masterdebaters. San Antonio's home for news and talk. On air, online, and on demand. 550 KTSA and FM 1071. I'm Dennis Foley. This has been Master Debaters, the show where the best argument wins.